He stands, settles a sweat-stained seed corn cap on his head, the bill angled to shield his face from the sun, and we head toward the barns. On the way, he acknowledges with an apologetic half-gesture that the farm isn't kept up as well as when my dad owned it. I nod. You have a lot on your hands. As we walk, I look around and am saddened. The aging barns stand humbled by peeling paint and missing boards. Beef cattle look out of place to my eyes as I recall the once state-of-the-art dairy barn where we milked our cows. The farmer and I find neutral ground, talking about a barn taken in a windstorm, a now useless pit silo built by the man who had the farm before him. Inevitably, our talk turns to weather and planting crops. If it's okay, I'd just like to look at the fields, I say, grateful when he has to leave me to check on a cow calving in the barn. Sure, he says, look around. I'll catch up with you later. Walking toward the west, I step across the mud puddles of a wet spring and remember squishing my bare toes in similar puddles. I don't know what I think I'll see in the field, but I am drawn there. I put the buildings so wanting for care behind me and stand in a pasture where I used to chase butterflies. Closing my eyes, I tip my head back to catch the sun, stretching out my hands in an unconscious plea. I am open to memories rising out of the earth, pulsing through my body with a force so unexpected and strong. I struggle to stay balanced. I see my sisters and me chasing across the field, vying to see who will make it first to the wooden steps of the stile spanning the fence, who will be first to reach the one-room schoolhouse where I took the first eight years of my schooling. I see a tree with low limbs that I remember scrambling up just in time to escape a marauding cow. The hills where Dad took us in search of a lost cow and her new calf rise up before me. The blackberry brambles, where Mom urged us to fill pails with berries so she would bake into pies, tug at my memory. I remember carrying milk and making hay, butchering chickens and planting the garden. All that work. Putting kids today to work like my folks did us would cause people to gasp. Isn't that abuse? In truth, at the time, the work seemed more like play. This land of my childhood releases sweet, long-forgotten memories and brings me back home. Home to the farm. Home to my family. Home. Country Hospitality how about a little lunch before you go? Mom smiled at Uncle Frank and Aunt Minnie as she stood up and headed for the kitchen. Seeing me curled up on the floor, reading by the heat vent in the kitchen, Mom looped me into helping get lunch on the table. Carol, run get a quart of peaches. Aunt Minnie rose to follow Mom. Let me help you get it on the table. In the few seconds it took me to run down to the fruit cellar and back up the stairs, Mom had put a pot of coffee on to brew, laid out lunch meat and cheese with homemade bread for sandwiches, arranged a tray heaped with dill, sweetened beet pickles, and was filling a bowl of cottage cheese. 
At Mom's direction, Aunt Minnie lifted the good plates, the ones from the set of pastel pink dishes Mom received as a wedding present in 1942 out of the cupboard, and placed them around the kitchen table. She found the silverware we used every day in the drawer by the sink. Even though the dining room table was at the other end of the kitchen, we only used it when we had company for Sunday dinner. Lunch was at the kitchen table where we ate all of our family meals. I handed over the quart of bright yellow peach halves Mom canned in thick syrup and brought out to serve guests. Flicking off the seal with a can opener, Mom poured the peaches into their special pink bowl, the bowl that matched the good dishes. As she motioned me to fill a plate with brownies topped with a sprinkle of sugar, Mom slid a large silver serving spoon into the peach bowl and called out, Lunch is on the table. Mom could put a full meal on the table faster than I could form the idea of a meal in my